you know, my confidence is just like nobody can fuck with him. And that's that's the mindset that I would have. Like he may he may be a better athlete than me, he may be taller than me, he may be faster than me, but he's not gonna stop me on this route on third down. That's like that's the mindset that I'ma have like going into it and you just have to have that complete confidence in yourself in order to go out there and have success. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something. 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 It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the out of the game. Welcome to the 16th episode of season 2.4 of the podcast and the last episode before All-Star weekend. Happy Black History Month. Oh, oh. But of course, it is Black History Month. They gave us the shortest month of the year. Uh we'll get into that in our newsletter this week. Uh check us out on .4.substack at .4.substack.com. Uh, be sure to make a note of that team. Moving on though, uh, like I said before, last episode before All-Star Weekend, um, this is a heads up and reminder that there's no new episode next week due to All-Star. We will be out in Salt Lake City having some fun, doing some good things with uh, everybody that's involved while trying not to freeze our asses off. Speaking of freezing, being from the Midwest, uh, we do appreciate the cold weather because we get jiggy. E.T., yeah. are your fits wetty? Are your yes. fits ready? Yes, yes, yes. I stay ready so I never have to get ready. With Super Bowl taking place this weekend, <laughs> we keep the football energy going with the conversation with a man who's seen his fair share of big games, James White. James was a longtime Patriot I linked with back in my days in Boston. I feel like he has a great story, and the way we see it, y'all are probably tired of the matchup talk, so consider today's episode a nice piece of counter-programming to your Super Bowl week media diet. Yes, yes, that's right, E.T. We've been on a football run these past few episodes. But there's also been a lot of things going on around the NBA this week. Mm -hmm. um, we are dropping in. This is like our second recording because of the NBA just said, since NFL wants to get in our way on Christmas Day, we're going to get in their way of the Super Bowl. I'm joking. Last <laughs> week we had a great conversation with our guy Bobby Wagner, and we were specifically talking about how the NBA and NFL players do need to come together. But so we will tap into the wildest week in NBA trade deadline history. Point forward. Crazy, crazy, crazy. What was, well, obviously you're up when the Kevin Durant trade uh, occurred, huh? Right, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. like 1.30. Yeah. Did it happen like 1.30 Eastern time or so? That's a pretty crazy trade, bro. Hey, I don't even know what time it happened. I just know I was up and oh no it was right after the game i wonder if he was uh it was the last tnt game it was right after that and it was yeah i was watching our game we were playing portland and everyone thought it was a joke like it it, it wasn't serious i know my man terrell terrell said it wasn't it, it didn't happen but i thought he he assumed it was a joke but it was real man what <laughs> That's what do you what do you think like what do you think about the the Suns now? You know what's crazy is that I'm just seeing it all. Like I've seen everything from LeBron yeah. having a huge monumental moment mm -hmm. to this happening. 
it was just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. Like we were just recording, talking about LeBron piece, and then it's like we had to hop back on real quick to discuss like all the madness of the NBA and a lot of uh, madness. There's so many NBA experts out there, and none of them have any clue of how or why trades go down. And I wasn't surprised because KD asked for a trade last summer, correct? Yeah, correct. And we, right. and we spoke about that. And I yeah. said, I think KD should stay in Brooklyn because it's a huge market. It's, it's New York. We need we need superstars or we need like faces of the league in those markets. And see, I, we saw what happened with Kyrie. That was a, a monumental trade as, as well. You know, uh, then he has a huge performance against the Clippers in his first game. Goes crazy. And, and then uh, he speaks on the KD trade and says he's happy that KD got, got out, of, out there. of there. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> that was wild. I, I think one thing that was an underrated part of the KD trade, obviously, hit or miss. I like TJ Warren for the bench. Okay. I like TJ okay. Warren coming over there. And I think a oh, lot they of got TJ Warren too. Bro, got, yeah, that's, bro, and that's and that's the score. Oh, but I mean, yeah, now it's four, yeah. four unprotected first round picks, which are in 23, 25, 27, and twenty nine, and then he got the pick pick flop uh, swap in twenty eight. So and he gave up Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder, who's now with the Bucks. Now so, that's who I'm most excited for. Who? Mikael Bridges. Me too. I think he, he's gonna be really good. He was putting in some work uh throughout the absence of Devin Booker and I'm really excited to see and his confidence was crazy too crazy I, th I, th I think he knows now and I think uh I think New York got them one in a sense of a player you know I think he knows how to win but then also too his personality I think he'll be a, yeah. have a very good personality I think Brooklyn will help bring the that side of him out he knows what I'm talking about and so Brooklyn will give him a little bit of swag He's a little vanilla playing Jane over there in his uh in the things that he likes and attracts. <laughs> That's my little bro though. <laughs> but I think no, I really do think Brooklyn and the atmosphere and just that whole other ambiance will um, you know, bring that, that side of him out along with everything else that he's been doing well. And I expect him to take off. Like I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing uh him play well. And it's looking like it was a good deal that Phoenix signed him too, because he's looking like a max player now. You know, yeah, they sure. were talking about they might move him again and they want three, four, no, maybe four or five first round picks for him after that trade went through. Obviously he, you know, through the trade deadline, he stayed there and, and they're gonna keep him. So I'm expecting when you when when the teams want five first round picks for you, you a max player. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how he comes right, along. No, that's in his big time, especially considering he started his career out and they were making him go. He went to summer league three, three straight years. Yes, he did. And he didn't even start one year in summer league. And, um, you know, if anybody doesn't know, you, you usually only do one year of summer league. Right. And the three years or extra years is if you need extra work or if they're typically not sold on you. And uh, mm -hmm. to go from that to work his way up, up to uh, getting them to their first finals appearance in forever. Right. And all that is big time. So shout out to Mikhail. Yeah, Steve Nash, he didn't even get him there. That's what I'm saying. If we and, keeping uh, it a buck. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Mikhail wants to come on the show. He always keeps asking. So this might Man. be the time. But speaking of that, um, we I will I will ask Mikhail when we speak to him. Yeah. But how are players finding out they got traded now? I'm wondering if KD was awake when, like, when they traded him. It's like, bro, it's literally like 
the ass crack of night. When I think I think bro? I think those guys know they're when the trade like they're approving it. Like okay, yeah, like it's ready. We ready for it to go down. Like it's happening right now. But I'm saying it's a lot of guys that find out from from Twitter that they just got traded. And That's for real. you see a lot of players sitting out of practice have a. Uh, a non-COVID-like illness, like yeah. one or two games right before the deadline. We saw a lot of that just across the league. Uh, we saw a lot of practices get canceled. Yeah. And the guys are on eggshells. Like, they got the the movers on speed dial. Yeah, like, what? Who, who was that? Mo Bamba? He packed his stuff up right away, right? He was ready, he was ready to go. But was that the trade or was that Austin Rivers that got him out of Orlando? Man, I think Austin Rivers might have got him up out of Orlando, low key, bro. You, you on to something? I see that. I see that, bro. I think Austin. I think it was that thing was quicker than the Myers Leonard joint, low key. I'm still playing in the league, so I love everybody. Uh, but my days are numbered. Uh, <laughs> but here's what we we spoken on this guy a few times. He made a few headlines. Um, you know, a fellow Chicagoan. You know, a fellow West Side guy. Um, you know, he's been known to uh, speak very boastfully and very confidently. We talk about unreasonable confidence. Uh, I mean, but you need that in this mm -hmm. league. And Pat Beverly has, you know, he's pretty much secured in his thoughts and feelings that he was going to win a championship first with the Clippers when they got yeah. Kawhi. He said it's over. He jumped on a table in the restaurant and said it's over. And uh, then he said that $200 is too much for a haircut. And uh, he's made a lot of, like... Uh, he got the camera. I was talking about that earlier. He really yeah. grabbed the camera from somebody else. Oh, he did do that. And literally he took it up that. to the referees, the ref bro. That was mad aggressive. That might... And then, like, uh, and then sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. too, I remember he got into a Dame a couple weeks ago. And I know Dame, bro. Oh, he like, did do that. Like, yeah, I'm like... Bro, Dane was really about to, like, whoop his ass. And then, like, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, bro, we low-key too old to still be getting in, like, back-and-forth tussles. Like, you got to let certain dudes just be great. Like, you out here bothering billionaires, bro, please stop. You remember what he like, told this, Steph, right? Oh, the he last said, five he, years he, is he, yours. He said, said y'all, it's over for y'all. These next five years is ours, as Steph said. Bro, ain't we the same age? <laughs> like, Yo, what Kyrie... What Kyrie says, is like, man, he always talks trash, and it's like, bro, you have to win the game, Patrick. <laughs> but shout out to Pat Bad, bro. I think one thing that occurred, yeah. One thing that occurs, bro, like his mentality and everything, bro, you need that shit. He oh, 100%. That. He went from overseas, what is he, on year 12 or 13 or something? Yeah. I mean, but my thing is, when I, I saw him play in high school, like he had the skill set. And so it's not it's not like he was a surprise. Like he, he he's an NBA talent. Yeah, but right now what I'm saying is, like, everybody's screaming Pat Bev, and I don't want to put this out there like I'm hating on a man. But, like, shit, y'all, P.J. Tucker just walking by, like, enjoying his goddamn self. Mm. So, like, chill, Pat Bev really out there. Like, <laughs> I, I only brought up his name. And, uh, yeah, I only brought up his name because they got D'Angelo Russell and Pat. Pat's been in a lot of trade talks as well. You know, I don't yeah. think people understand, like, you know, that stuff, I mean, I know we get paid a lot. It's a part of it. And so that, that, that is one thing I feel like, you know, you just got to silence and you got to play through. You know, it's just a part of the game, trade talks. And it's a part of that, just uh, the mental fortitude you have to have and block all those things out to perform at a high level. But, you know, just speaking on how he's, you know, his confidence 
and he can stick his foot in his mouth. You know, he said, uh, he said the bros are back. You know, D'Angelo's back. <laughs> and uh, he had the pickup. And this was, I won't say my favorite part because it's not, it's not like funny. But I'm just saying the irony of it all. When he said that Woj was whooping Shams in the releasing of trade news. And then Shams was the one that reported oh, <laughs> that Pat Bev had got traded. <laughs> I thought, bro, oh, that, bro, oh wow. All right, so follow and, that. And to Orlando of yeah, all places. All right, so follow that up. Because obviously it's like put your foot in your mouth situation. Was that crazier or was the John Wall situation even crazier? That's wild, bro. Because it went viral yeah. just a couple weeks ago and it's like, I mean, it's been like a hell of a high, high, high moment. Mo Bamba, Austin Rivers yes. got him up out of Orlando. He, <laughs> like we said, Austin, Austin, it's really like that. Then we got uh, Pat Beverly, the irony of that. Yes. And then now you have mm -hmm. the aforementioned, uh, what's, oh, uh, uh, John Wall. John Wall. John Wall back to Houston. That's, bad, that, that's a that's pretty bad. dramatic trade, trade deadline. Like the irony. And then I don't want to bring it up. I'm elite Beasley to LA. No, we not. You know damn well these we, streets painless. <laughs> See, this is the part like you know where I feel like we go very high end when we speak on just anything, whether it's basketball, business, so on and so forth. But this new age basketball has turned into like uh, reality TV That's slash wrestling. Right, and I think it's dumbing us down, and I, I, I'm struggling. Somebody, it's funny to yeah, talk you about, kind, but like you have to be kind of set of it. Like, there's no way this is not a coinky dink, dog. Yeah, it's kind of wild, man. It's kind of, and that's not even. Well, this one thing I want to talk about. Ah, uh, I don't Let's know if I want to talk about it, man. Just I can't. Get, just get off your chest, and then we'll see. We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. This is the question I have. So, a lot of guys sign one year deals. And with, with hopes and aspirations to be a part of a championship team, right? Yeah. And they sign with certain markets, bigger markets for notoriety, you know, the fame, mm -hmm. the hoopla mm -hmm. that comes with being a part of that franchise and that mm -hmm. city. And they sign like one-year minimum deals. And I've seen it happen a lot, like more than three or four times, like a lot. It's ha it happens every year. And then that guy gets traded like four months into the season. And the guy is like... Confused. Like, why to, to, to Scott Anderson kind of? He got traded into that situation. Yeah. Right. And he just came, won a chip or with us, could have came back, but he went to yeah. the Lakers. And then, boom, he gets ships out. Um, I, I see it a lot. And I seen it happen with uh, another good friend of mine. You know, he, he was there, gone. You know what I mean? And it's just the, the, the nature of the beast. Um, you got it worked for Jay Crowder sitting out though, which is interesting. Jay Crowder finally got where he wanted to yeah. go. You know who I'm happiest for out of all this? Eric Shout Gordon. Eric Gordon. Yes, absolutely right. Because he's boy, he was in the hole he for a while. And he wasn't didn't he? Say not one word. He <laughs> stayed over there to just play, kept it chill, like legit. Good for Eric Gordon. I'm hyped for Eric Gordon. Also forgot y'all got Gary Payton the second too. Yeah, we got GP back. That's, that's um, a, another ironic trait. Yeah, yeah, because folks are trying to say we could have just signed them last year and had an asset with us, 
And then we could have still moved Wiseman if that's what we were going to do the whole time. But I don't think it was that simple. I, I do think the Wise thing, I saw how much the team saved in salary. I think they save 131 mm, million mm-hmm. in salary by moving wise. Really? I don't care. I don't care how much money I got. 131 is 131. You know what I can do with 131 million? That's real. That's real. <laughs> what Gina say in Martin? Yeah, that's real. That's real. That's real. That's crazy. Yo, so I did not I know didn't that. Know that neither. What did you like so much about the Jay Crowder trade? I, I wouldn't. Well, I, what I like about the trade is that he stuck to his guns. Like I thought it would, it might backfire on him, and I went through the same thing. But I mean, yeah, like, different. I was ready to retire. Like I was about to go home. Like mm-hmm. I probably should have went home anyway back mm-hmm. then. Like these, you know, only thing that's getting worse is my body. But well, you don't need like, that. I could have went home. <laughs> no, true, true. But I, 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 but I'm saying. Jay still has more years in his career, and it, it was a chance he could be just miss a whole year. You know, in our league, you miss a year, we might not ever see you again, regardless if you're on contract or nothing. So it was just really good to see him. He got to a place that he would want to be in, He, he you know, on a contender. Yeah. Uh, his skill set would be used, and, and you know, we'll see. Because he, he had to have a hard stance, regardless if we agree with it or no, not. I totally dig you. I mean, but give – I'm not saying give credit to the organization, but you got James Jones over. You know what I'm saying? I think they mm-hmm. kept it somewhat classy and somewhat real and open. I, I don't know Monty, but I think there is nobody sitting there equally, him not missing them and them not missing him, and they okay with the best situation. And the number one thing is, like, finding a value. If they could have traded him early, they could have traded him earlier. But up until then, it's like wait to the deadline. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big risk. The big risk is wondering if people view you the way that you view yourself. Yes. Well, that's, that's a lot to unpack there, what you said. So two things just popped in my mind. First one, I'll go right off what you just said, how people view you and your value. Duncan Robinson hasn't played all year. He played one game against us, and he actually he was the reason why they won the game in Miami. And I think they were looking to move him. But when you have a guy that high – salary he's making like i don't know 25 a year i'm guessing throwing a number out there it's like that it's around him 20 25 a year whatever his number is a high number but he's not playing and you know how hard it is to trade him a team's gonna take that much salary and you're not playing on which kills his value a team's gonna know like y'all don't really like him so if you want to get off of him you need to include something we need some picks and so i don't think people understand that part of how trades work no, I, I mean, it, um, well, I don't even think it's about the money. I just think it's about it, leverage. Yeah, yeah. That's all it's about. So if I'm a team and I'm trying to get a player and this guy makes a lot of money and he's not playing, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want him to. He's just going to sit there and yeah. ride. But if you really want to move him, I know I got leverage. So send me two picks with him. Yeah, that's real. And, and it's not And it's not saying that I don't value that guy. It's just the leverage piece of it. And I think that is lost in translation with what people don't understand about trades as well. It's like all that plays a role into it. You know what I mean? Like if we got a guy that I, I got a guy you want more than I want to yeah, give no. him up, I'm going to ask for something yeah, in return. Monopoly. A lot. Yeah, no, of course, of course. It's all, yeah. all about your mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah, it's Monopoly. So, so there's there you go. Benny and then, Angus, and then there's a dude that traded, uh, shoot, who traded Powell for Kwame? 
Oh, that was oh, a favor. That was Jerry, that was Jerry West. West. Okay. Oh, shout out Jerry West. All right, never nah, mind. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't I know, know. I don't I know, know, know if that was a I favor. Did it. But it yeah. sounded like yeah. one. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. it. It is what it is. Do your thing, Jerry. <laughs> Danny Green. I, I, Danny, Danny Green, Green when was I saw still he got, in the league, boy. Danny Green was playing for Memphis. I just, I just want everybody to understand this thing. You got a guy that didn't show up that you told not to show up that you said didn't want to be around the team and you ended up trading. Then there's another guy you said come when you want to come around. Okay, cool. I'll be there when I be there. In and out, in and out. Oh, I'm going to work in LA, work here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Then he's like, all right, cool. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play. All right, come on. Let's go. Back on the court. See, he, he's out here loyal to the team. He's playing. Blah, blah, blah. Man, they trade this man within 100 hours, man. That's Wow. Who else? Who else got traded? That's wild, bro. I'm just saying how crazy no, all right, this is. Bro. Uh, we had my man. Uh, no, it's the irony. But you know how the whites in them be. They got uh, the, shoot. The Clippers got Bones Highland. Our man Bones Highland. They traded him for two picks, second round picks. I, I like that. That was interesting. Me too. Because what what wasn't working with Bones in Denver? I don't know. So I mean, he still I, averaged I mean, 12, just, 12 a game in 19 minutes. I just think when you break it down, yeah. Bones is uh. I see him taking over that second unit and being on, like, take Jamal Crawford. I mean, it's a Jokic team, so, like, Jokic probably only likes who cuts off him, plays off him. Bones is trying to get busy. True. You know what I mean? True. I, like, I, I, I think there's space for Bones over there. I think it's going to be unbelievable in L.A. Who else? Um, uh, oh. I like the Luke Kennard with the Grizzlies. I like that. That remains to be seen. I mean, I, that one's going to be interesting. That's what's gonna be interesting. Here, here's my question: When did second round picks become like tic tacs? They just like, like tossing five, them away, like, like here. Five of them. Like it's like Oprah giving out yeah. cars. You get a car. You get a pick. You get a pick. You get a pick. They they are just handing picks out everywhere. But what I have been asking a lot of questions from front office folks, different teams: How do you value picks? And I'm starting. They're getting very analytical with picks as well. Like, what's the chances of a number one pick panning out? What's the number, the chances of a number two? Then what's the chances of a 45 yeah. pick panning out? And so now you're starting to see that coming into more thought into the actions of trades. Yeah. And so, but the, like, picks aren't as valuable as they once yeah. were. I mean, I guess because you think there's so many people. I feel like when dudes are getting picks, I feel like there's so many people in the front office somewhat trying to make, like, the second. Everybody's trying to find the next Manu Ginobili. The next Draymond Green, like the next whatever second pick it was, like you see the guy that went went from Minnesota that drafted Jokic, and went from the Denver Nuggets to getting ownership and everything of yep, yep, the Timberwolves. Yep, 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 he was yep, supposed yep. to be some type of genius because he found Jokic. You know what I mean? And I think like you was, but then he made the Rudy Gobert trade. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, bro. But, I mean, he got lifetime money by finding Jokic. No, which is lit. I mean, it's lit, bro. Only takes one. I guess so, apparently. I mean, I mean, Mark Jackson created uh, the Splash Brothers, and he, he ain't got no ownership. Oh, that was different. Oh. <laughs> and you know what I mean. <laughs> Wait, so you mean trade the All-Star? Are you talking about start the tough kid from Saginaw? Why would you do that, Mark? Like, do you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, think about that, bro. Yeah. Oh, huh? we didn't cover the – because Russ got traded. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. I felt so bad. 
And so that's another Iraq. I just get that's I, I, he got traded to Utah Jazz, correct? Yes, he did. Oh, uh, they bought him out. Oh, they bought him out. I believe. Okay. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the buyout guys. There's a big buyout market. Uh, John Wall might end up on the buyout market. Man, John Wall, if they willing to, how much? Man, that's tough. Shout out John Wall. John Wall's on a smaller deal. John Wall's at like six a year. Shout out John. Because I think he, it was like, um, I think Houston might have bought him out what, the first time. Yo, <laughs> speaking of free agents, uh, <laughs> yo, you think Melo, somebody going to come scoop Melo or, or it's over this time? Personally, I don't, no, nah, personally, I don't think so. Nah. Be, just because I know how perceptions work yeah. and, you know, how these people, you know, how, how the league works sometimes, you know. Um, Dan, oh, Danny Green got bought out, so he's on the market. Kevin Love is another big yeah, buyout name. Yeah. I, 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 Rudy Gay. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, Bro. it's Rudy Gay's there. It's a bunch of guys. I saw a line. I'm like, huh. Oh. Reggie Jackson. Yo, so. <laughs> Reggie Jackson is on the buyout market. He's there. All right. Brad, go get. Man, there's some good dudes on the buyout market right now. Who would go? Who, who could use. Bro, who could use Russ? What team could use a backup like Russ? Russ doesn't want to be a backup, though. There ain't no, all right, then never mind. You know what no, I mean? I feel you. I just don't understand. I mean, he. What you heard Melo in that press conference when he got to OKC? You hear that? Oh, they said they want me to come off the bench. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just be like that sometimes. Yeah, I hear you, man. But the the writing's on the wall. Pat Bev's on the buyout market. Do you think Pat Bev gets picked up? I think Minnesota goes and gets him. If I'm Minnesota, I explore it, but I don't. I'm that one's gonna be interesting because after a certain period of time in the NBA, uh, when certain things continue to happen like over and over, I've just seen it too many times. It's what, I mean, if, if if something happens and they, and it's like I shouldn't say no, it like no, this, man. but it's the yeah, reality no, sure. of it, and. They say a, a great player once said to me, and it was very ironic because it's kind of happening to him right now. When your problems start outweighing your talent, it's a wrap. That's real. And as long as your talent outweighs your problems, they'll deal with you. If, and you got to be super talented. And so I'm interested to see, you know, kind of the antics and the things that have been going on with Pat Bev that, you know, they, they gave him a crazy – Suspension for the shoving the back. Yeah. You know, you would have thought he no, swung no, on the dude. Sure. He didn't even swing on the guy. He just pushed it. And he got like two or three mm -hmm. games, right? And so you just got to pay attention to stuff like, like that. Slap on the wrist and it's like, all right, bro, throw the buck. Now I feel you. Yeah, the CP pushing yeah. the back. Like the CP pushing the back was no, OD. That was, I mean, that was OD. That was OD. Yeah, that was OD. And I don't even think he said I'm not, And he didn't say nothing crazy. He ain't say nothing as crazy as Pat yeah, said. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I understand that, bro. <laughs> And so yeah, that one's gonna be that one's gonna be interesting. I mean, you got a bunch of guys in the buyout market uh, that that can move the needle, and so we'll see. At D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers, but I think he's a he's he made the All Star team in Brooklyn. Got that crazy Uber confidence in Brooklyn. Um, you know, you saw someone in front of Slam with with Cat and Devin Booker. Um, unbelievable talent. Um, I think with somebody like LeBron, LeBron always helps guys like that flourish. Those like borderline superstar mm -hmm. guys, but they have the talent. But he's been in LA before, and we all know LA is a really hard place to perform at a high level consistently. 
if if you're unsure, not of yourself, but just kind of how the whole thing works. Now he he's got he's matured. Yeah, sure. You know, I've seen the way he dresses now. Um, I've spoken to him a few times. I like him as a person because I didn't know him. Uh, but you know, give me your thoughts on the new D'Angelo in I'm LA. I'm excited, bro. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a great. Uh, you know, his first couple of years is a little muffled a little bit. You know, because of all a lot besides the off the court stuff, but. I feel like the roster was so crazy, you know what I mean? Where he couldn't really, you know, find his rhythm and groove. And RIP to Jeff and Kobe, that was towards the end of his situation. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of uh, gray area that kind of affected his development. But I feel like when he goes back there now, I think he's more mature. I think he knows himself. And, you know, yeah, Brian and AD, there's not so much pressure to go and be a 28-point-per-night D-Russ as opposed to fitting in, making plays, and going to go get the easy 20 that he can go get. It's just making True. sure you perform at that level and understand, like, if you're the third fiddle, you got to be him, you know? So I think he'll be ready. How do you think that team would have been if they stuck together? D-Russ, Ingram. Randall. The big bruiser. Randall. Randall. Yeah, and Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. That was the name. They were cool. I mean, they were <laughs> – I don't know how they would have been because I feel like the, like your development is so important. Like they were used to losing right away. Like do you understand what I'm saying? And there was no signs of like even you you, you see Memphis. You're like okay, these guys are gonna turn and tie. They got something going on. Like when you know what I mean when they were younger, or even when you look at the Warriors to start like with Steph and Clay. Like they somewhat had some type of winning disposition. Like you feel what I'm saying? Like the yes, Lakers was yes. just getting shit beat out of them every single night. Like there was no. But like you Only said, Brandon Ingram was like a sign of light. Like, but at the same time, like a bunch of young dudes, when they don't know where they're going, who's going to take the lead? Like, you understand? All of them were number one and number two picks. But I'm saying you said it before. It was in the Kobe's run, and then LeBron jumped right in the middle yeah, of the mix man. before he shipped ship before they got shipped off or whatever. And so, you know, they were never. It's almost like people bring up the James Wiseman situation a lot. You know, it's just tough being – because I always say this to young guys. You know, when you're on a championship team, which is different from the Lakers thing because they were never contenders while they yeah. were there. But I think we forget how normal it is or how normal it should be to be a young guy and not playing in the NBA. Right. absolutely. Like when we first came into the league or when I came into the league, it wasn't a given. Like, yeah, maybe top five picks. Yeah, okay. But even Darko Milicic but, didn't play yeah, for a minute. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was a number two pick. And so sometimes you, it might take you three years to, you know, sort it all out. And I think with a lot of noise nowadays, I think that does come into the play of decision making by teams on what they do with a guy. You know, uh, you saw that with the Washington Wizards. You know, they just decided, hey, uh, Hachimura, it just may not be the proper fit, and let's move on as opposed to just holding on to him yeah. and, you know, both sides really not being compatible. Yeah. And so, you know, James Wiseman got moved. I'm I'm really looking forward to see him play well. And the hardest part about that, too, because I've seen it before, um, and not with us, but I've seen it across the league where I'm, I'm happy I'm happy for a guy like Cam Reddish. Yeah, like Cam Reddish yeah, got yeah, moved. I'm hype I'm about Cam Reddish. And so – you see guys with talent who don't get opportunities. Um, and then I've heard from like another team. So I, I'm, I was thinking about Cam because his name came up. But I was another kid somewhere else where the team wasn't really playing him because they wasn't really rocking with him. But at the same time, I'm hearing they don't want him to go somewhere else and play well. 
So they really shelve them and they kill his value, which is like, to me, to me, like that, that hurts my heart hearing that. Like, that's that's sad. You're, 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 I mean, that's the art we're playing with. Like never play with the art. We, we, you're not reading Rick Rubin's book, the creative act, a way of being. So he speaks on that. Never try to manipulate the art or never do the art for commerce. Yeah. Like your number one goal of the art shouldn't be for yeah, karma. Right. commerce. It should be for the love of the art. And so I'm always talking about that. And to see a player get shelled who has a lot of skills, it saddens me. Um, but at the same time, I'm saying it's normal for a guy to not play right away. Like you just, you mature over time. There are a lot of players who didn't play early in their careers. And then that's where that most improved player comes in. Yeah. It's like, nah, he, he just honed his skill yeah. set. Like, but he always yeah, had yeah. it. All right, ET from the outside looking in. Um, at the next or at the towards we're going towards the, that playoff push now, where, where teams are trying to position yeah. themselves, coming out the All Star break, everybody getting adjusted. You know, um, in the last thirty games are going to be crucial. Twenty five, thirty games. I wish two or three trades that have changed the playoff picture the most that you're looking forward I to. I think, uh, I think obviously for sure it's Suns, but I don't even think it's. I think yeah. besides the fact of having Kevin Durant I I really think getting a TJ Warren for the bench is pretty important impressive I think uh yeah you know obviously I think Darius basically like his lane his skill set and what you can do with uh you know the defensive opportunities I think that's going to really help that team tremendously and then mm -hmm. uh I'm not mad at Minnesota getting Mike Conley uh getting Mike Conley uh junior as a point guard I think um you know, you mm. you mix his style of play and his IQ in with a young guy like Anthony Edwards, and uh, I think his poison, um, you know, his veteran leadership can really, you know, bring some type of calmness to that unit over there, where uh, sometimes it seems like it's pretty rambunctious. That's a great yeah. point. And, uh, That's a great yeah, point. And obviously, you add Kyrie and an under. Yeah, the you. underrated person is Marquise Morris. I think you add those type of, you know, those two type of dudes, mm. you have two high-level scores. And I said this the other day. If you compare, if you like, if you like James Harden and CP3 together back in Houston when they apparently were supposed to beat y'all in, in that game seven, but uh, Chris Paul got hurt. Uh-uh. Then I mean, uh-uh. A Kyrie and Luka Doncic head head is going to be a long night for. A lot of oppo like opposing defenses because those two to score tough, amazing, efficient buckets in big moments. So I think that's an understatement. And, and, and Luca is already in playoff position, and if not, you know, five points differential on losses as is by himself. So imagine, mm. imagine adding a Kyrie Irving. That's an understatement. It. I like it. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Denver and Memphis. Yeah. Because they had they had the West they had the Western Conference in the chokehold there for pretty much the first up until this all star break. And so, you know, people might sleep on them or they may not. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how those two teams, you know, get out the gates and, and, and make a push and make a run at it being one two in the in the West. Sure. I mean and the East the East is pretty easy. I mean, you got Boston versus Milwaukee. Any other threats? I mean that's it, right? Boston, Milwaukee. Miami thought we thought they were gonna make a move. Uh, they didn't yeah. make a move. We thought Ball I mean, Chicago could have made a move. They didn't make a move. Still there. You know what I mean? 
I'm tripping. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I apologize, Philly. The uh, if I'm Philly coming out that Boston loss just the other night, I'm I'm cool with my yeah. positioning. I'm like, okay, cool. Lost a tough road game. Uh, you know, they shot lights out. Yeah. Boston shot the lights out. Made a ton of threes, and it was you know lost by lost by a handful of points. Mm. Um, uh, the Knicks and the Raptors, I have no idea what they did because they Raptors got Yaka Portal. Exactly. The next thing, I think they picked up uh, Josh Hart. They traded Cam Reddish and some picks for Josh Hart. The and then no, then the Bulls ain't do shit. I want to understand that eventually. That Bulls one, I thought I, I kept hearing Zach Levine was going to the Knicks, and I thought that would have been a good trade for the Knicks. Actually, I thought that he would be good for Tibbs, yeah. um, but it didn't happen. So point forward. All right, down for that, clown for that. As y'all well know, Et and I agree on. 99% of the things, but the 1% uh, we have dedicated to a segment we call Down for That, Clown for That, where we take a stance on trending subjects and decide whether we are down for it or have to clown. But if we agree, it's our writer's fault because they should know whether we agree on some shit or not. Tom Brady finally retires. Finally. Finally. And interesting because it's relevant this week for us um, as we are speaking with James White. Um, he was Super Bowl MVP that Super Bowl, right? Against the Falcons? He better have uh, been. You know damn well they ain't finna get a man. So I was thinking about this the other day. Say that again. <laughs> you know damn well they ain't finna give a man that type of power. What but movie had, is that from? That was uh that was Martin Cole. <laughs> yeah. When it's like maybe yes. one day you could be you could be cleaning the bathroom. Come on now, Gina. You know damn well they ain't finna give a brother that type of power. But like I'm sad. But like I was thinking this other earlier, ET, like for real. I'm yeah, like, buddy wait. scored 20 points, bro. And he was killing all down the stretch. I remember watching it and I was like, whoa, bro. Like, if they don't stop playing, Buddy's about to get MVP. Tom's not getting MVP. Scored a game with, like, he was really eating. When he said, like, bro, I was just tired. I was so tired. Like, he literally was working like that, dog. Yeah. Like, I'm like, damn, bro. So when we looked at his numbers, and not to say contract or anything means crazy, but it's like, no, the way they were using him. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Like the running back just gets used. Yeah, yeah. It's the new center. <laughs> so down for that, clown for that. I guess on that, I don't know. Give me your take on it. On, on Brady retiring. Like, should should he keep playing? Should he retire? Man, I think I think he should have been retired. He should have retired after the last championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be completely yeah. honest. I feel like if the narrative was he left to really show like Belichick and them, like, ah, I'm not done. Sure. You left and you know, you won a championship. You did your thing. But, um, you know, eventually like when time and life starts changing and stuff, I felt like there was so much in the past couple of years where time couldn't really focus on football. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like, even in a way he sometimes prepped, even to start the season, sometimes I could be wrong, but remember he missed a couple practices and games, uh, not games of practices for like, parties and all this stuff it was like his last year kind of seemed like it was like a kick it year and i feel like that's when like you kind of know it's time to go or you should have been gone but i mean regardless he went out playing something he loved and like 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 you say bro when it's over we may never ever play it again and um i think the beauty that he has where people bring it up is uh he still is like and you have it too you're still living with a dream you're still playing like with a dream that's like that that you had when you were a kid that's a mm. gift that's a passion like Sometimes I almost be like, "Yo, he should retire," but then it's like, "No, I'm envious." This dude stayed locked in and stayed 
committed to his dream, his goal, or whatever he was going to be as a kid. Like that shit, it's hard to do that growing yeah. up with all the intangibles, or even just getting married and people telling you, like, no, that that sports game is over. Come home and spend time with your family. You know what I mean? You know my you know my favorite statement, the motto. Fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> I would say more impressive in Tom Brady's career is his business acumen. And to go back another year and play knowing that it might cause a, you know, some a separation in your life, but understanding how valuable separation can be and delaying a 10-year $375 million TV deal post-career I'm sure he don't want nobody get nobody half of that. That's real. That's real. <laughs> Damn, that's real. <laughs> Tom, you the hero, baby. That man crazy. Damn. He went. No, but we tripping because Giselle got more money than him. Man, come on, stop playing, bro. <laughs> Giselle do not have more money than Tom Brady. Nah, I, I think she do for real. I I think she do. But three hundred seventy-five million to yourself. Yeah, no, 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 no. Ask her. If she got that. How about that? Now she had a lot, but if she had you, money, if she had money, then pay time got, alimony. Had, pay time four, alimony. Pay time she, alimony. Is she not paying time alimony? I don't even want to hear it. She had four hundred million right now, my guy. The research is in. Yeah, Giselle. What was she modeling? Giselle was the number one. Bro, what was she yeah. modeling, dog? White Columbia's skin. finest. <laughs> like what you I'm, I'm laughing. I'm being funny, <laughs> like but I'm Brit. not. I dig you, bro. Yeah. But I I'm, hear you. would you 500 million for somebody to tell you what to do? Or half of 375 and you do whatever you want? I, it's gonna that's, kill that's, me. What's that? 18, 18, 18, No, I no, I'm cool, bro. Anything over a hundred is good with me. Like, you know what I mean? That's a billion for me. Like, I don't care what they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't care what they say. But now you're right, time living this life, bro. I'm not mad at it. I didn't know I knew Giselle was doing her thing. But at the same time, you worth 400 million. That's how you know time a dog. Because like my girl worth 400 million. I might tuck my tail just to taste. Buddy was not giving up not one iota of his freedom uh-uh. at all. <laughs> Why? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> That's wild. Think about it. My girl had 400 million, man. My I'm not, really- I'm, I'm, I don't even, I need six, I need five hours a day. That's basically, yeah, but if a female got 400 million, she probably don't want you in her face all the time. So I'm just going to go play golf. Yeah. And then other than that, what you need? That's what I'm saying. Breakfast, like, lunch, dinner. You'll have your clothes. Morning, morning tea. <laughs> the trash going to be out. Them towels going to be washed. And he washed my feet. Shout out to uh, the great movie. What movie was that? Jada Pickett. Jason's lyric. Jason's lyric. <laughs> and he washed my feet. Toilet seat gonna be down. No, we got separate toilets. I'm gonna go outside the outhouse. You ain't never got to worry about the toilet seat being up. <laughs> I'm going to back. I'm going outside. Point forward. I'm, I'm highly disappointed. Uh, this is one of my favorite um, entertainers. Uh, he's, you know, he's going through a lot in the public media. He's apologized for his actions numerous times, and and I think that's why I'm more of a fan of him because he has accepted. You know that he, you know, when he makes mistakes, that you know he owns up to them, and he's. I think we don't know, we don't realize his talent as much as we should have because of some certain situations that he's been in. 
Um, but he kind of put his foot in his mouth. Or he, I don't know how to explain this. No, Chris Brown, Chris Brown threw a tantrum on Instagram uh, after he lost the best R and B album to Robert Glasper, and he called Robert Glasper a quote unquote nobody. Down for that or clown for that, et? I mean, he he was a he is a clown for that, bro. Bro, we might have to agree on this one, G. Like, I, I'm on both. You go first. You tell me I what got, you think. I have the Robert Gla- Robert Glasper is played in my household. Oh, I didn't know that. I so I have, so I have an appreciation okay. for him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Rock. I I didn't know that. I, I literally, to be honest with you, you know, I listen to all types yeah. of music, but I was as shocked as I was when Beyonce lost out to Beck. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Robert Glasper, like, he's got like lots of albums, lots of works of arts, and I think this might be one of his first Grammys. But I actually have yeah. this album, and uh, there's some hits on there. Yeba was on there. Okay. Um, it was some dope folks. It's a his, mainly his albums are like collaborations. Okay. Almost uh, like the Free Nationals type thing. He's on it. Uh, Black Radio 3 Supreme Edition is what I have. And so, uh, yeah, Black Superhero was a dope song. Over with Yeba is super dope. Yeah, like all his albums are really good. And so I, I wasn't surprised when I heard he won, yeah. but I was surprised hearing that my mans was upset. And I, I'm more upset because I'm a huge fan of Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. And when you're the best at your craft or one of the best, because he can sing and dance, I would hope that you have uh, a respect and reverence for your craft and you should mm-hmm. know everybody within your realm. Like, I, I don't understand yeah. that, how he doesn't no, know. Yeah. yeah, that was wild. I, I thought that was definitely wild. Uh I mean, that was that was the only thing. I really didn't know who Robert Glasper was. And mm-hmm. then I was also just like, all right, like, I just didn't think you should respond in that way. I thought we were kind of yeah. too old for that. But I was just like, the only thing I, I was just sitting here like, all right, bro, why have I heard it or heard the homies talk about her? You know what I mean? Or anything. Right. I wasn't even yeah. rooting for, like, Chris Brown to do anything. I was just like, that's a unique thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm gonna uh, listen to him for sure. Buddy, nice, buddy, nice. And I think his his older stuff is I like better than his actual album, um, because yeah, I live with a a musical ear, so I hear all the good music. Um, but yes, and then Harry Styles actually beat out Beyonce, but it's the same as if you had said Beck. So I'm not mad at you for saying Beck. Same difference. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I meant like I meant like four or five years ago. Oh, okay. Not, no, yeah, not I mean, I'm surprised this year too. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. I mean, I don't. Only thing I know is just like Harry Styles is supposed to be the coolest, and um, you know, the the British, shop the British, they get a lot of love on music. So like, I'm not gonna knock if he was good or bad. I just know like, around my world when Beyonce drops, and I'm not saying my world is the biggest, but I know for sh- sure a lot of stuff changes. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Release dates get pushed back. Yeah, like a lot, a lot, and like what comes with it, like the art. Like I yeah. think, like I want to check out Harry Styles shit. Pause because it's like to compete with Beyonce, she's at a level where the art is so crazy that mm-hmm. like if you give you know the Kendrick Lamar the hip hop album of the year, which it very well should be, I'm basing it off of how artsy it was. Yeah, but it's uh, all oh, Beyonce oh, yes. does. You know what yes. I mean? So like, yes, are we starting to do? Are, is she getting a LeBron factor? Like, yes. You know what I'm yes. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, even even more even more so. It was like LeBron and Shaq combined. Yeah. Like it's just oh. too dominant. 
Like, who was the best player in the league? Shaq don't count. Like, that was a real thing. And, no, and I, it, it seems yeah. similar with Beyonce. Hey, what do you think? Uh, her speech was unbelievable, Beyonce. What do you think? Did she, I think she forgot to give shout out to Jay-Z. No, she did. She said my oh, beautiful husband. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, was, I was looking for that. Because that's the first like, thing we got to do when we accomplish something. I was just like, I'm joking, ladies. Would you care, though? No, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care neither. I'm like, good, bro. Shit. Like, I'm, we won. Like, good job. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no. I would. I, you won. Good job. Like, let, I'm going to be with you after this. And anybody no, like, try no, anything. It ain't even that, bro. You got three of my kids, bro. We Gucci. I don't even yeah, know. Like, I'm yeah. I'm, per I'm perfectly fine. Like, okay? Like. True story. Don't worry about my feelings. Like, But you got over. a billion, so you good, good. I'm definitely good by that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check out Harry Styles. Uh, my five-year-old made me listen to it. Um, and I was jamming. I think the first four songs I jammed to, Watermelon Sugar. Yeah, I heard it, Watermelon Sugar, I, I'm not going to lie. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. And there's a couple other songs on there, too, that I was bobbing to. Like, oh, I know this song. I didn't know I knew this song. So You want to know who you would like, bro? And you'll be shocked? Dua Lipa. Oh, really? Yeah. She, I mean, you probably have her, you have her songs are like pop songs, and you probably heard them on like on her stereo. But like she, she's actually talented. Check out her tiny desk. But why haven't I got into uh, Bad Bunny yet? Because I, I, you don't know Spanish, fool. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was. I thought Dua Lipa was No, Spanish. Dua Lipa's... No, she's British, bro. Damn, I am terrible. Yeah, yeah. She's British, bro. I just bro. put her in the uh, box. She, I yeah, apologize. Uh, she did that song, Levitating. Like a little team. All right. I'm going to check yeah, it out. Yeah, right, check her out. Done. She all right. All right, cool. Point. Forward. Uh, E.T., we uh, got to uh, speak on this. Big shout out to LeBron. Um, I did an interview with uh, Zach Lowe, and he was oh, talking about shout, shout out Zach Lowe. He was talking about he wanted to speak to me in terms of how I guarded LeBron, whatever, whatever. He's like, you wanted the best to guard LeBron. I was like, mm, debatable. Like, demand you can't stop, dude. But I was saying, like, I actually watched it, and I'm more like Luka Doncic, and I really don't watch basketball as much as I used to, just because whatever reasons. Uh, only for, you know, for, it's because it's work, not because, like, that's what I'm looking to to watch. Yeah. But I actually set – I had to rush back home. My son had a game. I had to rush back home so, so I can see it. And um, I got home just in time. He had, like, 28 by the time I got home. So, he had eight more points to go. So, I saw the whole thing. I think it was super dope. I'm glad I got to watch it. And I don't think we get to – we're, like, in such competitive mode. And, you know, we're always being told by the media we can't be friends, you know, with yeah. our colleagues on other teams, so on and so forth. But I really uh, – I was glad I got a chance to really enjoy basketball because you don't yeah. really get to enjoy it while you're in it because you're just you're just still in that mode all the time. Um, I think it was a beautiful yeah. moment. I think um, it was super dope the way they had uh, his whole family there, the Jumbotron – the, the press behind it, it's a huge moment. And uh, I think sometimes you take moments like this for granted. And I was happy that I didn't take this moment for granted. And I got to like kind of bask in it. Yeah, no, that's real. And I think one thing with you sometimes, it'll be super fun when we get older and probably when Lil Dre's in it, but you're such a basketball savant that it stay locked in sometimes. Like I'll be sitting here like, bro, did you see what Buddy did? Did you see what he did? And it's like, you'll be like, you'll be in like competition mode where it's cool. But like, sometimes I'm like, and I, I've been like removed from it for a couple of years. I'm like, bro, ah. like even if you saw me baseline at the Celtics games, it's like, man, when you see certain stuff, it's like, it brings the kid out of you again. You know what I yes. mean? 
And I thought that that was that would be pretty lit and pretty cool to see from you eventually because I know how much natural joy brings you when you're really in love with the Yeah, game. I appreciate that one. I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. I'm going yeah, to go to games. No, when you start going to games and stuff, yeah. like I remember I was at the game baseline, Celtics versus Warriors, and Brad offered me to sit in the box. And I'm like, bro, I'm coming right back down. So I'm coming up to dap you up. I'm like, bro, like, man, I, I'm enjoying this. Like, let me get yeah. another popcorn. Let me get another yeah. beer. Like, let me relax and literally yeah. be like, enjoy. Like, let me enjoy watching Steph Curry not being like, man, fuck what he got going on because he won right. all these championships. Right, like, right, right. Let me say, like, wow, Clay, turn up. Like, let yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like, let me watch like Russ like come off the bench and still getting twenty like that type of stuff. But all right, I thought the one thing with like Brian that was the dopest was like when you see where he came from and like mm-hmm. his beginning and like all the pressure that he really had. It's like man, yep. the winning championships and stuff, but like to really make it like all time leading scorer, how he finished off like yep. he should cry. He like, really cried. Be like, bro, I really did it, bro. Yeah. Like I yeah. really, really did it. When he sat yeah. there, I'm like, damn, we really just watched this man do this from age. 16 to yeah. now. It was dope. That's, that's a wonder, bro. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Two two decades and still going. Yeah. yeah. Press with feet. So shout out to LeBron. Point forward. Now let's get into our conversation. Our guest today is a Super Bowl champion and a good friend. Today we are joined by an aspiring individual, someone who was labeled too short and too slow but went on to have one of the steadiest careers and greatest Super Bowls of all time. Someone who was well-respected by every human being he comes across and just does things the right way. Recently retired New England Patriot, welcome to the show, James White. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Right, y'all y'all some of my idols, man, right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think maybe Dre. I, think I, I just keep calling me old all the time. They already call me old on Twitter every day. I uh, almost died dunking not too long ago. I heard it too. I heard it. I heard it in. Felt it. Pop. <laughs> I, I, I'm like that knowing like like partner. Every time he gets hurt, I'm like, look, yeah, yes, you ain't learning your lesson. Like every, every time you want to keep hooping, go ahead. They got you out there. I want to hear about the hip. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Getting that check ain't nothing wrong with it. <laughs> we start. We like to start every show with, you know, an introduction. I'm like, how'd you get here? And on a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah. How you end up here? Yeah. On the podcast? Yeah. On the podcast. Um, we had the same realtor, George Sarkis. Yeah, so, George Sarkis. So he, he, he well connected with a you know a lot of the Celtics players. I know he's been helping a lot of Patriot players find houses and things of that nature. So he mentioned you guys had a podcast. I actually saw it on Instagram because I follow you on Instagram. I've seen like some of the clips and things of that nature. I'm like, for sure I'll go on that and it all worked out. I mean, I just got here like a few days ago, so just so happy to work out, so I'm on here now. <laughs> and so, you know, but the, the the reason, you know, is that the connections network of athletes, but, you know, just, you know, your success as an NFL player. Um, and just walk us through your earliest memories uh, of getting into your passion and what you felt, you know, your first time you touched the football. Uh, for me, I started playing football because my, my dad, my brother, just my dad played in college, didn't play in the NFL, my brother played Little league, high school, and things of that nature. And then, you know, as a young kid, you you emulate pretty much your family or people you see on TV. Just to see my brother go out there, practice hard. I wanted to be like them and playing little league. And I was I was never a star during little league and things of that nature. I played. I was a good player. Made the high school pretty similar. There's always guys who had a bigger name than me, more stars, all things of that nature. But I was always a solid player. Got to college pretty similar. 
there's always star players in front of me playing, yeah. but I'm I'm still competing, playing with the best of them. I got to Wisconsin my freshman year, didn't really know whether I was gonna play my freshman year. Like the first game of the year, the running back coach was like, get in there. I get in there first play, I break it for like 20 yards. I think like right then and there, I knew mm-hmm. I I could go out there and compete and play at the highest level. End up winning Big Ten Freshman of the Year. My second year didn't really do shit, but <laughs> Monty oh, Ball yeah, was yeah. up for the Heisman yeah, that year, yeah, so I kind of yeah. was watching that. Yeah, so Monty Ball. Kind of had to sit back. Yeah, so my sophomore year, he took over. He was up for the Heisman, and he had a big, you know, big few seasons that year. He ended up getting drafted by the Broncos, and for me, even still throughout my entire career in college, I split time. Yep. Me and Melvin Gordon, he ended up getting drafted first round pick and things of that nature. So yep. I was always competing with with some of the best, and I think. That's what allowed me to have so much success practicing and playing against some of the best guys, you know, nationwide. And that allowed to, you know, spark that fire within me, compete and kind of self-assessing, see how I can get better, see how I can compete. And like I said, it was kind of similar, getting to the NFL. I got drafted 2014, only played in three games, a little cleanup duty at the end of the game. I was thinking I was going to get cut coming into the next year, like, Bill signed like seven other running backs, free agents. I'm like, oh, yes, see that writing on the wall right there. We got seven running backs. The number's not adding up. So I came into that next season. I was like, had to really check myself, look myself in the mirror. If I want to play, I got to go out there and show them during practice, preseason. I got to show them that I could play. And then like the fourth preseason game of that year, you know, usually like in the NFL, that fourth preseason game, only the you know guys are pretty much getting cut or people fighting for a roster spot playing that game. And I was dressed for that game. Pretty much all the other running backs weren't dressed. Me and like some some guy we pretty much just signed to like kind of give me a a breath of fresh air <laughs> like during the game. And Legarrette Blunt because he was suspended for the first game, so it was just us three that played. So I was like, I was like, fuck it, I gotta go out here and play hard. If they don't want me, somebody else will grab me. Ended up making the roster. Still didn't play till like the middle of the season when Deion Lewis got hurt. And then once once that happened, that was kind of I couldn't look back from there. You know. When you're not playing in, at the highest level and you get your opportunity, you want to make the most of it and kind of not turn back. And that's kind of like the story of my NFL career. So you started off, um, I, I know you mentioned your father and your brother, so you're the youngest child, right? Yep. And Dre and I, we, we always talk about how much we benefit from being a younger child because obviously... The older brothers at the end of the day you're able to follow in footsteps and learn in the next step. Do you think when you're younger at that stage... You know, you talk about a bunch of resilience and humility throughout, you know, uh, a sport that's so competitive. Do you think those early years were something that really helped you prepare for it? Because you skip over and say, I was never really good, but at the same time, you had the will and the know-how to stick with it and and perform at the highest level. Yeah, and I I was blessed and fortunate enough. I always thank my parents because they were able to provide, you know, trainers and things of that nature. Like, I know a lot of my friends growing up, I know they didn't necessarily have those type of things. So I always wanted to take advantage of that, like, I know my parents always did a great job of helping my friends, like on my team, whether it was getting them rides to games and things of that nature, or them staying at our house to get to a game, yeah. or us helping family members and things of that nature. So I always saw the under other end of the spectrum, and I realized I couldn't take stuff for granted because I was getting more opportunities than most guys were. And I, I saw like some of the mistakes or things that my brother did that you know I felt like I could capitalize on the opportunity if I didn't make similar mistakes, if I just pushed myself. So I think that's the advantage of being a younger sibling as well because even for parents, the oldest sibling, it's their first time being a parent as well. So them going through that whole process of him playing sports and you know seeing what they could have done to maybe help him be a better football player, I feel like that helped me too. They're like, okay, we didn't you know push him or we didn't put him into this. Maybe we could do that with him, see if that'll help him. And I think that helped me out a lot. 
And I want to talk about, you know, your father and, you know, sorry about your loss. I remember reading about that. Yeah, you know, like I remember that moment. And, but just going back and reading about, you know, the values he instilled in you and your mother as well. You know, him being, um, working for the police force, Miami-Dade police officer. Um, and then I'm reading that, you know, I don't know what's happened in this new era. Like, they don't have chores. Like, they don't have no <laughs> discipline. Like, what are y'all doing? So I just want you to really speak on you know, the discipline and the routine and things you had to have done and how that's helped you become who you are today. Definitely. Those chores every Saturday, cleaning the house, cutting the grass, you know, clean up your plate, wash dishes, all things of that nature, learning how to fold clothes, just giving you a sense of responsibility. I think that helped, you know, once you got to college, kind of being out on your own, you kind of get in a little routine for yourself, doing your own laundry, being able to cook or being able to provide for yourself because, that's when you, you really start to mature, especially being so far away from home. I, I wanted to get away from home, mm -hmm. getting away from getting away from Florida. I wanted to yeah. experience something different and kind of challenge myself. And like I said, I was fortunate enough that my parents would be able to, you know, fly to games and things like that nature. Right. So I didn't necessarily have to worry about that. And I know that impacts a lot of people in their college decision. Yeah. They want to be close to home because, you know, their family can't travel. So I was lucky for that. But I'm always grateful for my parents. If you if you want anything, you have to work for it. If you want to be the best football player, you're going to have to put the work in. My dad playing like Little League Baseball. We go to practice. You know, next day we're going to be out at the baseball field. He's hitting me ground balls or taking me, finding me a hitting coach. He's always pushing myself because he, he didn't have those same opportunities growing up. He had plenty of other siblings, and they didn't they couldn't get to, you know, all the different sporting events and trainers and all that because there's like seven of them. So, you know, for him, he wanted to do whatever he could to help me be the best at whatever I could be at, whether it was studying for the SATs, give me a, a SAT prep teacher. He, he he was gonna do it all just to make sure, you know, I was on the right track. And obviously if I didn't turn out to be anything, it probably was because I was sorry or I didn't <laughs> I didn't push myself. So so that's the way he kind of looked at it. And like I said, I just tried to capitalize on the opportunities that I got. Yeah, so when you walked in, you know, coming from Wisconsin, being a fourth round pick to the Patriots, one of the most storied franchises at the time. The the opportunity of understanding, like, all right, as long as I got the opportunity to work hard, I know I'll be fine. Like, did that give you confidence, but also no expectations? Like, I'm just going to leave it on the table and whatever works, works. Like, I understand what's behind the door if I don't make the team. Because it didn't seem like you had any type of nerves or anything, yeah. like, going into there. And you leave there, you know, breaking a lot of records, Super Bowl records, and don't – being a reason for the 2017, you know, win and come back. I, d I definitely had a lot of nerves for sure walking into that locker room, you know, how much success, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. sex the, those guys had throughout their yeah. tenure with Tom Brady. You had guys like Darrell Revis. You had, you know, Brandon Brown or Shane Vereen. You had Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, guys yeah. who had so much success, you know, prior to me even stepping to the building. So you kind of walk in with a little bit of awe, a little bit of culture shock. And my, myself, I'm not really a talkative person, so I just kind of – sit back and, you know, kind of take on things. And I feel like my my rookie year, I came in during OTAs, the off-season workouts, I had, like, pretty good OTAs. And then training camp and preseason games, I didn't really do shit. So that's that was kind of the reason I didn't really play my, my first year. I didn't really capitalize on the yeah. opportunities that I got at that point in time because I thought, you know, you just you got drafted, you just going to go out there and play. You just show a little flash. But the, obviously they didn't have enough confidence in me to go out there and play because yeah. we actually had a running back go down my rookie year it's like the third or fourth game of the year. And I remember Tom came into the locker room. He's like, he's like, like James, we're going to need you. So I'm right there, I'm thinking I'm, I'm about to suit up next week, ready to play, inactive like the next week. So I 
I'm ready to go now. I'm locked in and I still wasn't playing. So it was, that was probably the hardest year of sports of my life for sure to, as a competitor, to just sit back and, you know, you felt like you're better than some, some of the people that are playing. I mean, everybody is competitors. You feel like you, you're probably better than somebody that may be playing in front of you just from a competitive nature. But to sit back and watch that entire year, you know, kind of like helpless and not do anything, that was the hardest year of football or sports ever for me because, you know, a little league in yeah, high school, college, you're playing all the time. You're not yeah. sitting there sitting there watching and sitting back and doing nothing. You want to be out there competing. So that kind of shaped my whole outlook on everything. That was kind of like the realization that, you know, this is a business. They're going to do what's best for the organization first. And they don't feel like you're ready to go. They're going to not put you in there and try and find somebody else to replace you. So, so in that situation, because, uh, you know, you always had moments where you could play, participate, and help affect winning. But, uh, you know, during that time you weren't playing. What was, you know, a decision that you made? We always talk about this segment of the show called Guns and Butter, where, you know, we discuss, you know, a micro decision at that moment that seemed – to have paid dividends in the end. So what do you think occurred during that time? Because you weren't playing, and once again, the end result is all Patriots, you know, <laughs> team and everything. Like, I know I had to give my agents, like, a lot of credit as well. They would call me probably at least, like, every other week and be like, like, what's going on? Like, like obviously, if you're not playing, like, you must not be doing the shit. Like, they're on that type of energy. They're like, you got to check yourself if you go, if you want to be out there playing. So... I mean, obviously, I was still practicing hard, and it just it still wasn't enough, obviously. So, you know, coming into that next year, I was just like, all right, like, if you want to be in the NFL, this, you better sh straighten your shit up or you're going to be out of the league that fast, and it could be gone in the snap of the finger. So from that point, I had to, you know, try to eat a little bit better, work on a different way of, you know, honing my craft, figure out how to run routes better, figure out what they what they needed from me. Or, you know, ask the coaches what they need to see from me coming to the next year, whether it's picking up blitzes, whether it's running the football, just trying to do everything possible. So they pretty much couldn't say no. And that's what's kind of my mentality going to that next season. I'm always intrigued by NFL players because I was pretty good at football. I was quarterback and receiver. But I'm I'm just not built for that. You know, <laughs> my son is my son is six five, 150 pounds. Right. And I wasn't as tall as him at his age, but I was the same frame. I couldn't take – I'm like, I can't do that. And so I've always wondered, you know – and you're a humble dude too. So I'm watching uh, Any Given Sunday. <laughs> but there's so many different characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got the receiver. You know, we know how the, the receivers, receivers are. Yeah, yeah. The receivers are the receivers. <laughs> they, they got them right. You know, but then you have certain types of quarterbacks that can be different and running backs can be different. But you seem like a very humble person. Um, what's it like in your mind when you're super confident? When you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing anyone can do to stop me. Like, take me through what's going on in your head, because you're, you're, we would never know. Yeah, you know, like Emmitt Smith was super. Out, we knew what was going on in Emmitt's yeah. head. Like, he was very, he wasn't as humble. You know, he had that swag to him. But what's going on through your mind? Because you've done a whole lot, and you make it seem as if like I just went out and did my job. Yeah. It's just like as an athlete, I think y'all probably know you just kind of get in the zone in a sense. It's like I wouldn't say like you black out or anything, but it's like. Nobody is around but you yeah. and the person in front of you or the people in front of you in a sense and like everything just seems to be working. And those repetitions that you put in during the week or during all off season, it just your body just kinda takes over and yeah. that's just kinda how I felt when I got in the zone and that's when I got, you know, my confidence just like nobody can fuck with me. I mean, that's that's the mindset that I would have. Like he may he may be a better athlete than me, he may be taller than me, he may be faster than me, but 
he not going to stop me on this route on third down. That's like, that's the mindset that I'm going to have like going into it. And I think you just have to have that complete confidence in yourself in order to go out there and have success. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, obviously Bill Belichick said that, that you're one of the players that always, you know, you can almost always count on him to, to make the right decision each time. And, uh, you know, to start off with that, that kind of seems like the Patriot way. At what point did you think you started, you know, forming a level or performing at the Patriot way or, you know, stop going from being like, oh, my God, it's Tom Brady, Tom mm -hmm. speaking to you as a peer. You know, every time you see third down, they're going to you mm -hmm. over, you know what I mean? Sometimes it was Edelman or Grant. They're going to you to go bring it home or the Super Bowl game-winning touchdown. Mm -hmm. You feel me? For me, I always – I never wanted to be the, the player to let my team down. And I think that's just all from like growing up and things of that nature, just seeing how hard my parents like pushed themselves and they felt like they didn't want to let us down as their sons in a sense. So I feel like that's kind of like the mindset I had from, from high school, college. You probably ask like my running back coach from college or some of my running back teammates, they'd be like, like, you never mess up. Like that's just like the mindset I had. I want to be the guy that could be counted on. At all times, I mean, like I I never messed up at all, right. but I definitely did. <laughs> like, everybody yeah, fuck yeah, up at course, some point, yeah. but I just never wanted to have that feeling and look back on it like, like damn, that's like some simple shit. I could, I don't want to fuck it up for my teammates. At least it could be a a physical error, like somebody you know cover me up on one play. That's gonna happen. But like mentally wise, I never wanted to make mental mistakes because I feel like that's just preparation and something easy for myself. And, and you know, I'm. How does it feel? Because it's similar to the Warriors, you know, four Super Bowls in eight years. Do you get used to it? Because sometimes I just get, you know, numb to it all. Like, oh, we're going to the finals again. But everybody's excited. It's like, uh, bro, like, it's, it's whatever. Even my, my rings, I, I didn't know where they were at for like three or four years. Like, they were just underneath some clothes. Like, hey, over there somewhere. And so, you know, how how are you with those type of things, whether it be memorabilia or, you know, just your outlook on something that you've done a lot? My mind just took the way where I never really, you know, take my rings out really for pretty much anything. But you definitely get numb to it a little bit since you get to go there pretty often. But I think Belichick does a great job of keeping everybody humble, you know, from Tom to to the undrafted free agent that's coming in that year. He holds everybody accountable. Each and every week is going to be practice clips, game clips on those Monday mornings, Wednesday mornings, you know, telling you how you fucked up. But he's at the same time, he's going to tell you how, how you did well as well. So I think coming into my rookie year, their OTAs and him yelling at Tom during practice, he'd be like, oh, like, oh shit, this, like, this shit for real. Like, he'd be like, we got, we got our two supposed best fucking players can't complete a pass against fucking air. Like, shit like that. Like, <laughs> like shit like that. So it's like, and he watches, like, everything. It'd be, like, individual drills. Like, if guys are slipping during individual drills, it's just like he's on top of every single thing, and he's always watching, and I know they always talk about it. And it'll, they may not always put it up there, but uh -huh. just that one time you're slacking, they go – Come in there on that Monday morning, like we're gonna watch some individual drill from yesterday, and <laughs> you got guys slipping all over the place, bad footwork, dropping the ball, and just he always held everybody accountable. I think that's what's the best thing about that organization. Everybody's gonna be held accountable from the coaching staff, players, trainers, equipment managers. He's checking everybody, and mm. I think that's what allowed us to have so much success over throughout the years. Nobody could really get complacent because you're getting checked at the door every single day, and I think that's why. 
you know, organizations like the Warriors and things of that nature, they're able to sustain that success. It's hard because you got to keep guys, you know, in check and keep them in the right frame of mind if you're going to keep going to back to back to back championships. It's not easy. Steph is that good. <laughs> I will say, you know, I played in Miami uh, under Pat Riley, and uh, we, we had a guest uh, who wrote the book uh, Blood in the Garden. Yeah, Chris Heron. Chris Heron, and we got we to see we got to see <laughs> Pat Riley when he we saw the uh, show HBO show about the Lakers uh, Showtime, Showtime, and and so you got to see Pat there, and then we read the book, which was Pat's entire time in the Knicks, and then obviously I played down in Miami for a year and a half uh, under Pat Riley, and it's essentially that you know everybody getting checked at the door, but when you first see it, it's like a little bit of a shock because it's. You know, where's the joy in everything? But when you leave and you can see a grand scope of the rest of the league, there's a reason why <laughs> Pat Riley's had success everywhere he's been, yeah. everywhere. And every three or four years, he's making a run at a, at a title. I want to go back to something you said about memorabilia. Because you forgot, you said you don't know where your rings are at. But were you forgetful in shock or, like, just numb? You scored the game-winning touchdown, and you left the – the ball in the end zone. Yeah. The ball went for like what? <laughs> like six figures. Like, <laughs> like, like you need so when when they won a championship this year, Dre grabbed the ball and ran and got it to Steph. So yeah. I'm sure somebody ran and got the ball, but they might have took it to time. I don't got that ball. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know where it's at, but I was definitely go through the, kind of blacked out in the sense that in that moment I was I was gone. I was just running across the end zone. Bro, oh, I mean, what was that? Talk about that game. Yeah, no, talk about the game. Yeah, yeah, I turned the game. Down. I turned it off. <laughs> yeah. Man, they lost. Yeah, so you know, coming to the game, you know, for myself, I knew I have an opportunity to to make some plays because the the head coach was the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks when we won my rookie year, and the running back, had, the running back had like eight or nine catches for like ninety nine yards. Shane Vereen at the time, yeah. so they ran a similar scheme. So I know I have scout, an opportunity. Scout, <laughs> I was just saying. I knew I had an opportunity to make some plays. Obviously, I didn't know I was going to have the game that I had, but obviously being down 28-3 to and me being kind of like a pass protection and pass catching running back, I was going to be out on the field most yeah. of the time because we're going to have to throw to win the game. Yeah. So for us, obviously, that wasn't the game plan to be down that many damn points at that point. But we were moving the ball like we wanted to, but we throw it, have an interception or turn the ball over or miss a field goal. So just coming into halftime, there wasn't really any halftime adjustments. Just play better, like down twenty five. Yeah, 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 down to is this simple? Like, I mean, you down twenty five points. Ain't really no coaching adjustment for that. Yeah. You just it is just kind of play better. So that's essentially what we did. You just got to scratch and claw, try and find your way back into it. And for me, like going back to my rookie year, I didn't play that game. I had to sit on the sideline, inactive, and had to watch. So. I always said if I got my opportunity to get out there on the field and yeah, play for my right. team, I'm going to do whatever I can to help my team win. Obviously, it wasn't going that way at first, but I was still getting the ball every single, almost every other play. I was just trying to be a viable option for Tom. And uh, like I said, if we felt like if we could get it close, then we would win. And it took us on offense to make some plays. The defense had to come up with some huge plays. You know, like Dante Howard had to strip – Hightower had to strip sack. That's kind of really what catapulted us there. But for myself – I was just competing as hard as possible just to just to find a way into it, and I was exhausted. That was the most exhausted I've ever <laughs> I been believe it. In, in any game for sure. Like even like two plays before I scored the game when a touchdown, I was jogging off the field. Legarrette Blount was coming onto the field. I was I was thinking we were just gonna like run the ball in and score. I'm like I'm like please, bro, just end the game like right now. I'm, I'm exhausted. But then I came back in like two plays later. They tossed and I was just. I was like, I gotta score right now. Like, I gotta end this. I'm exhausted. Gotta, this thing. <laughs> <laughs> this thing. 
They're like, please. And then I scored. Just like I said, I wasn't even thinking about the ball. I just started running across the end zone. I don't even know what I was doing. LeGarrette Blunt came running like a 4-1 across the field. He tackled me. That's a big boy. So, and you, you, you created like 20 points of offense that game. That was a Super Bowl record. And that's, I mean, that's lit, bro. You were tired as hell. You earned it for sure. What was, what was time like during that game? You always want to hear these, these moments of, you know, it was one of the greatest comebacks, and you know, Tom's super cool. He's supposed to be like a competitor. What was he like under pressure in those moments? Like, what did you learn from from those situations? Uh, from him, he he didn't really say too much, honestly. I think we had a lot of veteran guys on our team at that time, so I feel like he's a little bit more vocal when there's a younger group of guys or guys who may not have been there. But for us, we kind of stayed cool, calm, and collected. He, he, you know, he would do his usual walk up the sideline, just like, stay locked up, like stay locked in, let's get things going, that type of thing. But it wasn't really much of a motivational speech, and you just kind of see it in his eyes, in a sense. Nothing really had to be said. He just, just laser focused. Like obviously, he had to end the pick six earlier on in the game. Yeah, that was and smart. It happens, and you kind of got to the great mm-hmm. people. They they able to put that thing, mm-hmm. you know, behind them and turn the page and and move forward. And I think that's kind of what he did. That's what all of us kind of did. I know Laguerre had a fumble in the game, but you got to put it past you. You got to move forward. I think that's what that's why he's the greatest in a sense because there's so much that can happen. You know, early at early on points in the game, he kind of turns the page, moves forward, and everybody knows what's going to happen if if you let it get close and the ball is in his hands to end the football game because he's ready for those moments, he's prepared for those moments, and that was kind of one of those moments right there, just dialed in all game long, making those throws in tight windows where most guys can't make it in those situations or may not have the confidence to make it in those right. situations. I think that that's what makes him the best, and he demands the best out of everybody who's in that huddle with him. If you're not going to be at your best, you're not going to be out there on the football field. If he don't trust you, you're probably not going to be in the huddle unless guys are hurt or something. You got to yeah. be in the huddle. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he wants he demands that respect, and you got to earn his respect. And I think for me, that was what I as a young player you you try to earn that guy's respect, and that's what you want when you that's what you want from a veteran guy. And I, I kind of want to change the conversation into you know business. So with football. Um, obviously, the incident that occurred a couple of weeks ago on the field, the Bills game, um, and, and you know we're always having our union's always having uh, discussions with the NFLPA. Uh, we're always discussing you know ways that we can help you guys or got ways you you can help us. So Dominique came and spoke to one of our uh, at one of our uh, CBA meetings because we were heading into a lockout. A lockout did occur. This is 2011. Right, so lockout did happen. We started that season later, and like Christmas. Yeah. And I remember one thing he said to us: "Do not give up guaranteed contracts." Yeah. Now we knew that, yeah. you know, yeah. that was a no-brainer. Yeah. But for you all, considering what you go through, literally, your life is on the line. Yeah. Like that's not like a metaphor. Like no, this is real. Yeah. Um, talk to me, kind of how your thought process changed about the game. The older you got, the more knowledge you got. You know, just the surroundings, the things you saw. You know, what are your thoughts just on the business uh, and the players at risk in football? Yeah, there's definitely a lot that goes in with it, and I know everybody. There's you start to see some players get guaranteed contracts yes. now, but it definitely should be universal. Everybody should get that because football. There's so much turnover. Your career, most the average career is like you know three to four years. Yeah. So, I mean, if guys guarantee that money for them, it's It'd be a benefit. I know it's probably going to be really hard because the number of guys that are on the roster right. and the way owners like to and GMs like to move guys every single yeah. week here and there, back and forth, practice squad, active roster. But 
I think we just as a as a union have to do a better job of finding ways to get guys more guaranteed money because it's it's a dangerous game. When you're in it, you don't really think about it too much. But when you get towards the back end of your career, you start thinking about a little bit more about how you can protect yourself a little bit better. And for myself, and especially after watching the Demar Hamlin situation, like your your heart kind of stops for him. It's just like like man, I was just out on the football field. That could have happened to me. I think that's why a lot of guys' emotions were very high watching that. And yeah. it's just tough, man. And for myself, like that's something I'm definitely interested in doing. Maybe probably becoming part of like NFLPA or something like that, fighting for you know better rights for the players because yeah. it's very very dangerous. I know obviously that that situation is a slim chance that it could happen, but it can happen to anybody at any given time. You never really know. I know that situation was very unique, but it definitely was was tough to watch for sure. But yeah, we were even talking about. Um... Who's my man in uh, Lamar Jackson? Yeah, yeah. in terms yeah, of if he should play or not, yeah. and then we saw what happened to RG three. Yeah, and I even tweeted to him, "Hey man, don't don't play champ." I, I thought RG three's post was unbelievable too oh, yeah. when he showed an example of it. But I think the number one, uh, one thing that's pretty crazy that came from Demar Hamlin's situation was like. We're giving the Bills a standing ovation for guaranteeing his contract. Like, it's like, and then he guaranteed it's like, bro, a billion. It's only three million. Like, no disrespect to anybody, yeah. but like, we're giving snaps on a contract, and literally that that day, how much money did they make off that game he played in? True story. And like, we're giving snaps. I'm like, the fuck, like this for what? This is the most vicious sport. Like, do you? Is there lots of talks or like ways, you know, I, I know we keep summing it up and keep trying to go towards it or get guaranteed, but, you know, what type of, you know, way do you think you can go about it beside? It's just all the players are going to have to fight for it. The next time the CBA is up, they're going to yeah. have to come together and fight for it, essentially be like, we're not going to play in a sense until that happens. I think that's the only way it's going to happen, but it's going to be hard to kind of yeah. unify Correct. that yeah. many number of players yeah, to agree sure. with that because – you have younger guys who need, you know, money. need money in yeah. a sense of their their first year or things that nature don't have money saved to to be in that position. But it's hard. I don't know the exact way to do it, but I think everybody kind of has to use their brain to find a way to to make it happen. Because I mean, a guy like Lamar Jackson, he should he should have a guaranteed contract. Yeah. He's one of the most electric players in the NFL. Yeah. If I was him, I I probably wouldn't even play this year. <laughs> yeah. he, he was bold <laughs> for stepping on the field this year. Yeah. And for guys to, it was hard to see even like Mike Vick going out there saying that he should have put a brace on it and go out there and play on yeah, on Sunday nah, or whatever bro. day they played on. It's, that was a huge <laughs> yeah. he, he run with them. Yeah. But it's a couple of it's been a couple of Vick things <laughs> that have made me very nervous. Yeah. I hope they ain't get him. <laughs> you know, y'all know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. So, but I mean, but then even going deeper into the business of it all, you know, um, like you know, I have some things invested that is, you know, the NFL has success. The company I've invested in has done a, has a lot of success, mm -hmm. but I also understand, you know, African Americans make up the majority of the yeah. league, um, but there's only. How many African American owners? There are none in none, football. None, 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 yeah, none. none. <laughs> How a, a is, is, that, is that spoken about in the locker rooms as well? I think for a lot of younger guys, probably not, because I feel like younger guys make up the majority of the roster, obviously. But for for older guys, probably conversations that you have like at the lunch table, things of that nature. But there definitely has to be more. I guess how would you say it? <laughs> of a presence of African Americans at the top for sure, because. It's an owner. It's an owner-ran league. If there's, yeah. I think it'll take for maybe like a, a former player or something to mm -hmm. like somehow somehow be a partial owner or some things right. of that nature to kind of step in and 
and fight for us. It's it's, it's hard to go. I mean, obviously the, the owners are in control at this point. Right. I know the NBA, you guys have the players have did a great job of kind of uh-huh. taking control kind of over the league. But we still got a lot. We still got a yeah. lot to work on. I mean, but you still have to turn tricks. It's only yeah. four hundred yeah. 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 players yeah. in yeah. league, but sometimes like, you get to the union, you gotta <laughs> hold the escrow check. Like you yeah. <laughs> like license yeah. check. Yeah. We gotta hold checks. Hey, like y'all, we 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 not giving out these checks. Y'all come to this meeting. Come on. With the NFL, just so it's just so many players with yes. so many different opinions. Yes. I mean, honestly, some guys just don't care either. So yeah, they just, we have that. Yeah, we just, have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want their check and they're, they're good. So it's hard. And we just got to find a way. I mean, just like showing up to meetings to even talk about things that nature, probably more than half the league probably won't show up. So right. it's That's hard. Time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got billionaires going against millionaires, the perception of everything. Um, and, and just kind of what was your thoughts on the, you know, Jay-Z – um, getting involved the way he has, you know, Colin Kaepernick situation is kind of it's kind of died down. You know, Jerry Jones saying, you know, none of my players uh, better kneel, and but then they forgave him for being fourteen and aware. <laughs> saying they don't want, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So he wasn't aware, but at the same time, you know, you see young African Americans get tried as adults yeah. at twelve and thirteen years old. You know, it's, it's definitely. A lot in that situation. I remember, you know, me and some of my teammates, we we took a knee after you know President Trump came out and was saying that no player should take a knee, or he was he talking. Said you sons of bitches. He, That's said, what he that, said that type of thing. Yeah, I forgot exactly yeah, what he said. Yeah, I know a group of my teammates. We we took a knee during the game. I'm pretty sure it was like either the, pretty sure it was the first game of the year. Things of that nature, and our fans booed us and whatnot. But for myself, I felt like in that situation, we had to show our support for what he was standing up in. I mean, you didn't have to take a knee in order to show the support for him, but. I felt like we should have did a better job of, you know, vocally supporting him for what he was trying to do, and you know, it's hard to, Very hard. You know, yeah, yeah. to, to build that courage to to, to go against the grain uh, yeah. and, and speak out. You for a lot of young people as well, because you don't want to lose your job, you don't know what repercussions mm. you're gonna face. Correct, and it, it's definitely difficult. Um, but definitely, the owners are held to a different standard. They can kind of get things swept under the rug pretty fast, but. It's hard, man. It's but, but the, <laughs> tough but the situation is unique because your father, yeah, uh, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He was a police officer, mm-hmm. correct? So yeah. during yeah. that time, like, what's your point of view from it? Because you had both sides and everything. And yeah, I understand both sides, and my dad understand understood both sides. There's there's racism within the police department. There's things that he dealt with on a daily basis yeah. being a black police officer. So I've had com- had conversations with him about the whole situation. He understood, you know, my point of view on it, and like I said, he. He believed in what I was standing up for, and he was happy that I took a knee in support of that because, like I said, he he grew up, you know, back in the day when things were very racial, and yeah. obviously he still dealt with things, you know, before he passed away with with racial things, trying to get him fired for what he was yeah. doing in in the police department. So, I definitely had a seen both sides of that situation. Being my dad being a police officer, and you know, obviously what Colin Kaepernick was standing up for because race is still an issue in this. In this world, and I think it probably forever will be because it's it's hard for. I think we just have to do a better job as a country, you know, trying to learn one another, not yeah, you know, not Tower kind it. of separate, tolerate, but yeah. you got to you got to learn about one another. I think that's the biggest thing. Laughing, I feel like a lot of people are racist because they they just don't know. Yeah, and I think that's real. We got to do a better. We got to do a better job of learning about one another, getting to know one another. You know. Like everybody says, have those uncomfortable conversations. Like I, I know, whenever like I talk to 
youth or high school. I always say like get to know somebody that you're not you know necessarily friends with or go sit at a different lunch table that you wouldn't sit at because like I said, you, you never know who you may become friends with just because they're different, you know, they they may like a different subject, they have a different hair color, they have, you know, different skin. It doesn't really matter. Just get to know that person and you may build a friend for life. You may I don't know, just there's so much as a as a world that we could do better as to to learn one another, just be better on a day to day basis. But I think I read something uh, that kind of opened my eyes to specifically what you just said was we're getting dumber because we're only interacting with folks that are like-minded. Yep. And so we've built factions. It's almost like they become the Hunger Games in real life, yep. right? We've all only gravitated towards folks who listen to what we listen to, read what we listen to, you know, agree with everything we say. And then anything outside that realm is like we're at war with them. Yeah. And so now everyone's so spread apart when you need to do the exact opposite. So, you know, I appreciate that, Jim. Um, you seem to have a, a lot of knowledge and, a lot of, you know, just a lot of success in what, everything that you've done. So I would like to know, you know, five to ten years, you know, what's life after football look, look like for you? What are some of your goals and, you know, how you plan on going about it? For me right now, I'm, I'm trying to get into broadcasting. I do a, a radio show with Sirius XM on Wednesday mornings with Solomon Wilcox. Uh, I've done a few, called a few NFL games on radio throughout the year. I did like a, a little podcast, you know, after Patriot game. So that's what I'm trying to get into right now. Uh, I also have like my own foundation where I provide partial college scholarships to, you know, at-risk, you know, kids or people who don't have money, things of that nature. So, and I also love shoes too. I love to one day open my own shoe store. That's a that's a thing I love to do too, obviously, if my wife allows me to do that. But. <laughs> But, you, hear, you, hear, you hear similarities in here and I? If my wife allows no, me to. Right, <laughs> yeah, happy wife, happy life. That don't... There we go. Hey, I'm glad y'all got the concept. <laughs> I'm glad y'all grasped that concept, man. Dre, Dre does a great job of being a, a good husband that listens. I try. So I, I'm trying to hopefully one day get like him. <laughs> you don't want to be like me. <laughs> That's real. Well, man, James, we appreciate you, you know, hopping on, obviously. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. We appreciate you. I was to say, yeah, we appreciate you, you know, stopping by, giving us a lot of your time and, um, you know, telling us your story. It's uh, sure. definitely been a big fan, everything you've done. And, uh, you know, thanks for being such a humble, down-to-earth dude with a great story. So we, we appreciate you for real. Thank I appreciate y'all having me. Like I said, I... I watch y'all too. I ain't gonna say growing up because I don't want to make y'all feel. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> we low key. We were almost in college around school. the same time, yeah. but like I said, I used, to, I used to kill people in 2K with you when you played for the Nuggets. The time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all time. Yeah. I'm on like the all 2K team. Yeah, yeah, for real, like, definitely. Like random players you can't lose with. You That's know, crazy. Mm -hmm.